Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Cue fake podcast music. Hey, Jen. That's funny. I know. <laughs> you know why? Because I actually hit the button uh-huh. to connect into you. Uh-huh. And um, I didn't think I picked the right one. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, there's a stranger on. Like, what do you want? <laughs> That's what I was thinking was going to happen. <laughs> right? Uh, so what are you doing? Sipping on my coffee. You know, my norm. Yeah. I may or may not have had a piece of cornbread and two Smarty Rolls for breakfast. <laughs> I almost I'm an adult okay (laughs) right well I'm gonna say that most of the time it's like the green jello or I had some M&M's the other day but it was funny because I was before this I did my dishes because I decided I was gonna make eggs and then I went back and forth about eating in everyone's ear and I was like no I'll wait I'll wait Right. I'll be kind. I'll be kind. But all I'm thinking about right now is eggs and bacon. Oh my god. Too bad I don't have a chef to be cooking them for me. Okay, so I saw this tweet this week <clears throat> that said, listen to your partner chewing. And I said, Now just ask yourself, do I want that to be the soundtrack of my life? And I was like, I feel that way. <laughs> I always teach my brother about his loud chewing. You know, it's funny I that that you mention that because on one of the YouTube channels I watch, uh-huh. it's one of the things she talks about her husband. Really? Is that she actually has this thing where she just can't stand it. Like, even in a restaurant, it's just not him. It's just everyone. It's oh. like this thing she has. And so she'll go into another room and eat. Yeah, or no, they'll I- play something. Honestly, I feel that. I'm not. The chewing thing doesn't bother me. It's the how bad do you snore? And if I fall asleep first, Uh can I sleep through the night? Or can you be snoring and me fall asleep? Oh, okay. I, when it was Brandon and my dad and my previous dog in the house, Uh I would fall asleep, but, you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and no shit, all three of them snored. Uh All freaking three of them snored, and it was like a freaking freight train, and it was like, you're trying to, I'm trying to figure out, who is it? Is it the dog? No, that's dad. Oh, now Brandon, now the dog. Dad. Oh, and I could never fall, I'd always have to go downstairs and sleep on the couch. It was that bad. Right. But I could, if I didn't wake up, I could sleep through it. So, chewing, less, I could care, you chew as loud as you want. But when I'm trying to sleep, you damn well better not be snoring enough to wake me up. Oh, yeah, they'll say, no, I'm more of the do not chew in my ear. I can sleep through your snores. <laughs> and even, yes, I have a big dog and he he does snore. <laughs> so I know what you mean. We're like, everybody is snoring. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's your, um, oh, yeah. So this is our last episode. 
episode 110. Oh. We're done here. We are moving on to another episode called More Fan, Less Critic. I'll go over like some pretty bad movies. I'm going to waste a lot of your life uh, mm-hmm. making you watch horrible stuff. And I thank you for accepting that. <laughs> thank you. I, I think it shows. Yeah, I'm like, I think it shows that you're really ride or die, man. And I appreciate that. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I'm here for. And, that, and that's going to come out. That first episode is going to come out November 5th. More fan, less critic. Did you just say November 5th? No, February. Did I say November? That was bad. I don't know. I don't know where you have to. It'll be February 5th. And between then, between our last episode this year and the first one of the other one, I'm going to turn 46. And I just wonder, like. Whoa, you are old. Exactly. You're old. I know. It's bad. (laughs) I know. I'm telling you. The other day, this girl at work goes, how old are you? And I said, 45. And she goes, oh, my God, what do you use? I said, soap and water. <laughs> so I mean of her. And I'm like, you're fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to fall apart. I'm I am already now. falling apart. I got a bad shoulder. That's how old I am. That's the age I'm at. I'm at the, the age where you got a bad joint. i'm so this year i turned 40 but and i'm looking for you know i have a running machine that i run on all the time and so i've gotten bored of that so what's funny is i went shopping for a new exercise machine and i've been i always wanted a rower it was just one that i always wanted and i did find out that rowers are best for old people because it builds the inner strength of your oh. back and stuff. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to order it. I'm going to start prepping my body for that next week <laughs> yeah. where it's going to freaking fall apart. I work at a, I work at the um, labor intensive part of the book warehouse. So I pick up boxes of books. And I do yoga before and after work because I am old and I have to, it's literally the stretching yoga. I mean, I have an ab routine that I do in the morning, but that's just because I got to keep my front strong so that I don't break my back. <laughs> like none of this is for any other reason than to, to, to not die at work. Well, and you know, it's probably good that you do work like that, though. Yeah. Because one, I used to work that end. Yeah. And I can tell you that I'm worse off now that I don't do it. Yeah, you and can I, hurt yourself and, sitting at a desk all day. You can hurt yourself. <laughs> I I think I, yeah, I have been more achy and have injured, you know, my back and then my thigh. I had all kinds of shit since yeah. I switched. <laughs> True. Like, you got to keep moving. That's why I, I learned you got to keep moving when you get old. You should just, you can, should, people should be spending their younger years like being lazy asses and then you do you keep moving when you're old good idea what do you have gonna, today okay i'm gonna do ghost oh, towns. i'm gonna say no just i was like just i was someone that always moved and then when i sat at a desk yeah i had to go to physical therapy <laughs> right it's just ridiculous yeah so i'm glad to be not at a desk anymore but um, at the end of this episode we'll see what movie's going to be played for our first episode and where to find it a lot of it's going to be free streaming because that's where I like to focus. I don't have cable. 
I'm one of those people they called, what do they call it? When you cut the cord on the internet? I can't remember what it is. I don't know. I don't know. I forgot. I'm kind of old. <laughs> but I want to do ghost towns in Michigan. What do you have? I have rentahitman.com. Okay. How about have you, you ever go, heard of you it? go first? I think I did. I think I did, honestly, maybe one time hear about it. And um, I don't know, though. We'll see. Because sometimes I, you say something and I think I know what's up and I do not in any way. So <laughs> what we'll do is uh, you go first, I'll go second, and then we'll talk about what movie to watch. How about that? How does that sound? That sounds fabulous. Sweet. Let's hear you. The, the owner of rentahitman.com is Bob Ines, I-N-N-E-S, okay. of California. During his schooling for IT, a group of his college friends decided to start an IT company and offer risk analysis and penetration testing for networks. Okay. The company name, um, Rent-A-Hitman, really means rent, which equals hire us. Hit, which means visitor traffic to the website, you know, that counter, how many hits you get to your website. Okay. And then man, because they were all men. That's, so that's really what it means. Okay. The site was up around 2005. After all of them graduated, they went their separate ways. Bob just has the site. He tried to sell the site, but no serious buyers. He ha- So he held on to it, not thinking about it. At some point, he went back to check the messages and was shocked by what he found. Emails with inquiries, inquiries of all kinds. Wow. Asset extraction, people from around the world trying to get money out of bank accounts or from people. Um, in, uh, inquiries on if the they service certain countries like Australia, if they took clients that were minors, all the way Did they to get, wait. <laughs> a question was, do you take oh minors? Right. So I'm a minor and I want to murder you. I want to hire a hitman to murder you. Do you, you know, can I be your client? Okay. Not to be the dumbest person in the world, but as soon as you said that, I was like, I imagine like a coal miner. I'm like, why would they need like special care? (laughs) And then when I was like, wait a minute, I'm like, oh shit, she needs like a kid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sorry. You know, and all the way, you know, and inquires about, hey, are you hiring Hitman? Wow. So when he received emails that were seemed serious. Okay. Then he, you know, and you might think, how does he not assume they are real inquiries, you know, to hire an actual Hitman? Yeah. Well, these people would give names, addresses, full freaking blown stories. <laughs> really? Like, uh, I hate my freaking neighbor. Um, how much does it cost to clip him? Can you do me a favor? Can you make it look like a robbery? Like something like that? Yeah, like this one guy was like, I would like you to go rob rob these these two people at this address, steal the car and bring it to me. Oh my god. 
And he would respond to these emails with, you know, do you still require our services? And do you want us to put you in contact with the field op- operative? Jeez. Okay, so yeah. they if they got back to him, he would take that to the police. And then, of course, the police then did their job. Okay. There is a detailed interview with Bob about the site and gives some more stories of people contacting him uh, on rollingstones.com. I would... Fuck, that'd be awesome, actually. (laughs) Because um, I thought it was a story about on the dark web, I guess there is like a rent a hitman website and somebody had used it or something. And then someone else tried to claim that it wasn't real. And then somebody else was going to get murdered to prove that it was a hit, you know, a real site. And I was just like, Oh, yours is way better than that. <laughs> right. So I actually stumbled upon this, you know, the information on this website because of a news story Fox two did in July, 2020. Okay. Wendy Wine, W-I-E-N, age 51, from Rockwood, Michigan, was arrested for solicitation to commit a murder. She she put in a request for service with the site to help her with, um, at the time that, you know, on the site, she implies, she, okay, let me start over. She puts in the request for service. Okay. With the site to help her with taking care of a little situation she has, and implies it was, you know, the situation with her ex husband. Okay. Bob contacted the Michigan State Police, and then so they took over, got an undercover cop, and then she told the underco- undercover cop that she would pay 5K for him to kill her husband. And yes, so then, a, of course, then she was arrested. I think, yeah. I Story think there's ends. A, there's a TV show that um, that that does that where it shows cops meeting people for murder for hire plots. And I was like, and one thing to me is like, it's frightening that we have so many you can make a TV show. <laughs> like, you right. know what I mean? Like, fuck. That must happen a lot. A lot more than I realized. Right. And I mean, there's things on the site, you just know it's like when you go, common sense tells you that, you know, it's not what you think it is. It's a, you're not hiring a hitman, but these people believe it. Uh, you should know that it's not going to be that open, that, that you're right. going to openly commit a crime like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to do ghost towns in Michigan. I use MonroeNews.com, Wikipedia, FSUSA.gov, Michigan.gov. Freep.com, Thrillist.com, AtlasObscura.com, GrandpaShorters.com, and Weather.gov. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> At one point, it got real interesting, Michigan. Okay. <laughs> so one is, okay, there's this guy named Richard Goss, and he studies ghost towns, ghost towns in Michigan, Ohio, and Death Valley. And I was like, wait a minute. I get Michigan and Ohio, right? We touch each other. Michigan's a pen- peninsula. We touch two things. You know what I mean? But what about Death Valley? Like, that, that is so far away from us. It is thousands of miles. But that's his specialty. Michigan, yeah. Ohio, Death Valley. So he has this hypothesis on why small towns and villages started disappearing in the late 1800s. 
because that's when mail began to be delivered directly to people's homes instead of a general store in town. So this caused people to spend less money picking up mail in their hometown, right? So now you don't have to go into town to get your mail. It comes right to your house. So that's one reason they stopped going into towns as much. Then the affordable Model T is being purchased and, you know, people are starting to travel farther to the next town that's bigger because they have a better selection of goods. So the small town grocer starts to lose money and then they go out and then the larger grocer, you know, gets the more money, more people. And in Michigan, another factor was the lumber and the mining industries. So when all the viable trees are cut down or the you know, in the, tim- in the timber industry collapsed and the copper mines, you know, drew, uh, dried up, then the mining towns closed. So the- we just have a lot of ghost towns. One is Killmaster. And that town was located in Guston, Michigan in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. And when you use like the hand mitten method as a portable map, it would be located at the top of the index finger. It's um, like a lot of a Michigan's ghost town. It was a lumber town. And there's still a cluster of houses where Mill Street meets 4th and 5th Street. And the actual sawmill for the town that was located on Sawmill Street was owned by John H. Kilmaster. So John Kilmaster, he's memorialized at the Lumberman Monument. And the monument is this 14-foot-high statue that sits at the bank of the Osable River. And according to the Lumberman Monument Visitor Center... There's a lot to do at the monument site. You can climb through a simulated log jam. You can use a PV, which is a long staff with a hook at the end that you use for grabbing logs and moving them around in the water. And you can also cut a wooden cookie with a cross saw. And you can go through various displays of like lumberjack life. You can go down and see the Wanagan, which is this shelter used by lumberjacks that is mounted to a raft. So basically like the very first crude houseboat. And the center also offers this guided nature hike and an observation deck in the dunes. So this whole big setup, and they got your boy John Kilmaster there memorialized. John Kilmaster had noticed that there was actually some gas bubbling up in the swampy area on the land that he owned. And a little later, the federal government sent this field agent named Frank Levert through the Midwest to document different land formations now I was reading Frank's field notes and he explains that he visited Kilmaster, Michigan and that he was driven around by John H. Kilmaster. And Frank notes like the composition of the soil and the fact that John had tapped into the natural gas pockets in the area to power his home and the homes of his family. And, you know, I really cannot tell you how many dry field agent land man- management documents I read about Kilmaster. And just know that there's a lot of limestone, a lot of sandstone. Okay. Yeah. I'm like a geologist now. That's what happened. I read so, I read so many documents. I was just like, at one point, I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> so another one is Snow's Landing. And I was watching this video about the city of Belleville, Michigan, when it mentioned a ghost town that was located inside Belleville Lake. And, you know, I love, honestly, a good underwater city story. And that's when I remembered reading this commemorative plaque that is just off of Rossonville Road. And it talks about Snow's Landing, the now underwater city. Mm-hmm. So the story of Snow Landing starts in 1800 when Henry Snow first came to the area is what is currently Belleville. In the place that where Snow Landing is located off the bank of the Huron River. 
This is where he starts his homestead. Now, on September 13th, 1823, Henry Snow files for the first land patent in Van Buren Township. Snow Landing, which is a strip of land leading into the river, it's established. In 1825, Amblin and Amish, Amasa, I think it was very hard, A-M-A-S-A-H, Rawson, they arrived in the area and they filed city plans under the name Michigan City first. And then they changed it under the name Rawsonville in 1838. So the city is available for factory commerce and is located because it's located on the Huron River. But the river wasn't deep enough for like large cargo boats to travel. So it's this limited resource. Uh, railroad landlines being built nearby, but they actually don't build it towards Rawsonville. So after the Civil War, you need a train to really thrive. And so the town begins to wind down. So less and less people are living in Rawsonville. By the 1880s, Rawsonville was like complete decline and was turned into a ghost town. In 1925, Detroit Edison decides to build this hydroelect uh, hydroelectric gravity dam and this powerhouse on Huron River in the section that belonged to Rawsonville. It's called the French Landing Dam. It's the second to the last of the 17 dams on the river. So it's like dam number 16. And when completed, the dam created this reservoir. And that reservoir was named Belleville Lake. And so Belleville Lake submerged the abandoned Snow's Landing in what used to be called Michigan City slash Rawsonville. It's underneath Belleville Lake. Yeah. And you swam in Belleville Lake, right? Yeah, I swam in Okay, so the next one is Singapore. So Singapore, Michigan was established in 1830s by a land developer in New York. And he's looking to build a port city that would um, rival Milwaukee and Chicago. And the port city on Lake Michigan, the west side of the state, it began to build up. And at one point, it has 23 buildings in the city center. And two of those buildings were banks that were created for the town. The Bank of Singapore and the Bank of Allegan had their own currencies that they circulated. And shortly after the Civil War of the United States, state banks were required to maintain enough hard currency to cover at least one third of their banknotes. They're like, you can't just make up money. You have to have money to cover it, right? Right. So I know they had to tell him, isn't that sad? Okay, so neither <laughs> banks. I know, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I know, this is basic banker shit 101. You know what I mean? But so neither banks had enough money recognized by the federal government to cover the currency they're creating. So they were both shut down. But every now and then collectors find individual bills or even full like sheets of the currency from the Bank of Singapore. And in 1841, Michigan and other states in the Midwest, we suffered what was termed the 40 day blizzard. And Singapore had run out of food when fortunately slash unfortunately a ship named the Milwaukee wrecks on the city shores. So the food kept from the ship kept the town alive until the storm was over. So yeah, they're like, we're dying. And all of a sudden the ship crashed and they're like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I think those motherfuckers got food on that boat. (laughs) And they went and ate their food. In 1846, O'Shea Wilder, the man who was originally, who originally founded Singapore, sells the city. And the man that he sold it to was... um, his brother, Artemis Carter. Artemis buys a schooner and Singapore becomes this lumber town and is transporting goods to Chicago. And after the great Chicago fire, 
Singapore went into like double time lumber production and basically just strips the land of trees. And the lack of tree cover meant that the winds whipped up off of Lake Michigan, arose the land around the town, and it creates these large sand dunes that actually cover the buildings. And there's an urban legend that one man refused to leave his home in Singapore, despite the rising sands. And at one point, he's entering and exiting his home through the window of the second floor. And he stayed until the sand dunes were level with his roof. And they actually now use those sand dunes as tourist attractions around Saugatuck in Douglas City, which... Didn't you go to Sagatuck one time to watch the um, sunrise? Or is that Sleeping Bear Dunes? Sleeping Bear Dunes. Oh, okay. And for my last one, is a city you and I have both been to. It's not a ghost city, but it's a city you can rent. And I thought, let's end on a good note, right? Yeah. So, one of our favorite towns is Hell. Here in Hell. Hell, it's a small town in Michigan, like four buildings big. <laughs> right. It's a block. Yeah. It, it's, one, it's one block. It, it's not even a block. That was very generous of you. I think that's very kind of you. <laughs> it's not a ghost town, but it's a very small town, right? It can be bought, literally. About 70 people spend all year living in hell. And in July of 2019, a comedian named Elijah Daniel decided to make a joke about buying the town and renaming it Gay Hell. And he continued his joke saying that he was going to ban straight people from the town and he starts to riff off the name of the town. And Elijah, Elijah claimed that he was going to have hellish fun in a light protest against Donald Trump putting a, um, a ban on embassies flying the pride flag during Pride Month. And in gay hell, he, he claimed that only pride flags would fly. So the stunt actually helped the little town gain exposure and some tourist money, like because it needs it. And the number of people visiting gay hell went up during its three-day reign because they did turn to gay hell for three days. And wanting in on the fun, a Twitter account used by the Church of Satan approved of the move um, to gain tourists by saying, quote, this is going to be a stroke <laughs> of real eruption. People will be coming for days, weeks even, end quote. Get it? A sex joke by the Church right. of Satan. <laughs> I thought, well, what a better thing to end this on by a gay, you know, gay hell joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen. So I wanted to tell you the first movie that we're going to have for our podcast can be found on Prime for $3, you said, right? $3.95. Voodoo. And it's free on this app called Tubi, T-U-B-I, which a lot of our movies will be on because Michael and I do not have cable. And uh, Tubi is a free movie app, so we spend a lot of time watching B-movies on Tubi because Tubi is very accommodating. And so... We like to be accommodated. So it's called A Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And you can find it on Tubi, Amazon Prime, or Voodoo. So, Jen, is there anything you'd like to say at the very end? This is sad. It's actually a little sad, I agree. It's a little, it's a little sad, but I think we should thank everybody for putting up with us. Listening to our channel. Yeah. Thank you. You've been very kind. I know we teased about being in trouble for mispronunciations, but it's okay. I guess it happens to everybody. <laughs> right. This and, was fun. It was a fun ride. So yes. Now everybody needs to come and join us while we listen to Jen complain that I made her watch a really shitty movie. Right? Maybe so, there's a good one out there. So you got to listen. 
Yeah, there I could might be trick one out. You. I might trick you and actually offer up one you might enjoy. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, What do you want to say? I, I want to say it's been a lot of fun and I just appreciate you going along with all my harebrained ideas. Like I have never said to you, hey, do you want to try this? And had you say no. <laughs> and like, no matter what crazy fucking thing I come up with, you're like, all right, I mean, I'll try it once. Like, <laughs> And I really do appreciate that. And I'm glad that you agreed to have another podcast with me and your brother and more fan, less critic. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You know, anything I can do to annoy you and my brother is, you know, top of my list. Sweet. Well, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that I can help you keep going. <laughs> All right, Jen, I'll catch you later. All right, bye. Contact us at Anchor or Michigan Other Mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.